Alleluia, Christ is risen. So last week we talked about the call of the apostles to proclaim this life. We talked about what that meant for them, that they would be standing in the temple in Jerusalem, proclaiming Jesus specifically as the life. And today, we're following an apostle who at first was a persecutor of those who were of the way. And once again, we are asked the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the message that we proclaim? Who is the life? But now today, more specifically, who is the way? You might have noticed that my personal website, if you've ever looked at it, where my newsletter is posted, is called inthewayorg Some of you might wonder how I came up with that name. It's actually more than 20 years old. And it came from the fact that there was a group of us in seminary who decided in a bit of quirkiness, to call ourselves enhados. Enhados is Greek for in the way. And we thought about that as two meanings. One, being in the way of Jesus as following him, but also recognizing that being as we were a little bit unusual as seminarians, we tended to get in the way of other things happening. And so intheway.org has been my website ever since then. We can be in the way of Jesus, as in baptized into his name, saved by him, redeemed by him who was killed and resurrected for us. Or we can be in the way of the world, as in, to speak in Montreal language, a giant set of orange traffic cones. You are going to be an orange traffic cone whether you like it or not. The question is, in whose way are you going to be? Saul, who had appeared earlier in the book of Acts at the martyrdom of Stephen, is going to be God's great orange traffic cone, whether he likes it or not. This is what Jesus is going to set him aside to be. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And I don't think we can hear those words enough. The fact that Paul, the great apostle, started life as a persecutor of Christians, as a murderer of Christians. He asked the high priest for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, Men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So what was Saul's problem? I mean, he is like anti-Christian in a huge way. And we should ask ourselves the question, were, were all Jews like this? Were they all zealous for finding Christians and killing them? The truth of history was they weren't. But Saul was. So as my mom would say, what, what was the bee in his bonnet with the Christians? Well, you have to understand that Jews back at the time of Jesus, like Christians or Muslims today, are broken up into different denominations. There are different things that we emphasize within our faith traditions. And at the time of Jesus, there were not only 
Sadducees and Pharisees and Essenes and Zealots, but there were groups of Pharisees, different kinds of Pharisees. And there was one group of Pharisees that believed with all of their heart and mind and soul and strength that God would only send the Messiah when a sufficient number of Israelites, preferably all of them, kept the law perfectly. If only for a day, once all of the Jewish people could be seen by God to have perfectly kept the law, then God would reveal himself and the Messiah, and the whole world would be changed in an instant. Everything would be different when the Messiah came. Now there's a group of Jews who are out there following a false Messiah, which means they are not keeping the law. They are breaking the law by everything that they do. And how did Saul know that Jesus was a false Messiah? Because nothing had changed. Saul looked around him at the world and said, everything is just as bad as it was before we crucified this upstart prophet from Nazareth. Nothing has changed The Romans are still in charge. There's still violence and threats of murder. There's still robbery. There's still families engaged in hateful activities toward others. There's still villages divided. There's still people that are not following Torah. Jesus clearly then could not have been the Christ until Saul saw him. This Jesus whom Saul knew had been crucified, who he'd heard rumors about an empty tomb, he saw in the flesh. And in that moment, Saul knew the world had changed. Everything was different. Never before had a man who had been so brutally, brutally killed returned to life and announced that everything that he had said in his ministry was, in fact, true. The scales, spiritually speaking, fell from Saul's eyes, and he recognized that Jesus was, in fact, the Christ. And so Saul went from being someone who was standing in the way of Jesus to one who was now in the way of Jesus as a baptized member of the body of Christ. Saul in Acts chapter 26, one of the many times that he talked about how he became Paul, said, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you, Saul, to swim upstream. It's so hard for you, Saul, because you are not being in the way of God, but actually standing in the way of God's work. So get out of the way of God's handiwork and become one who is in the way of Jesus. Are we in the way? What kind of traffic cone are you? Well, the reality is we have been baptized. 
We have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our consciences. We have been fed, many of us, on Christ's body and blood given to us for life and salvation and forgiveness. Does that not put us in the way? In Luke chapter 13, Jesus tells this parable. Once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. The reality is that it is tempting as Christians as those who have been redeemed by Christ to be the far more popular orange cone in Montreal, which is the orange barrels and cones that are along the side of the median. They're all there alongside of the road. They're not blocking any traffic. They're just there. There's a warning that at some point, somebody might decide to close a lane down and do some construction. But right now, they're not bothering anyone. But what happens to those barrels? They either get moved out into traffic and serve some purpose, or they eventually, we pray, get picked up and stored somewhere. Maybe Quebec City or Sherbrooke, but not Montreal. The reality is there is no middle ground for a traffic cone. You're either going to be out there in the middle of traffic, or you're going to be useless and stored away. Cones serve a purpose. They're not meant to just be sitting along the median. Now, there are also cones that are flat out in the way of the Lord's work in a bad way. Those are the cones that don't want to hear about the kind of world that the Lord wants. They don't want to know about the kind of works that the Lord expects from his children. They don't want to see what kind of people they really, really are deep down. To change those cones, we need not a guide or a teacher, but a savior. One who will redeem people that are in the way of what God is trying to do and become in the way of Jesus and where he is leading. Paul needed to see what kind of way he was in, what kind of traffic cone he was. Was he serving God or actually fighting him? Saul thought that he could see he was a Pharisee of Pharisees descended from the tribe of Benjamin. He thought he had it made and understood exactly what God wanted. But Jesus taught him first literally and then figuratively that he was blind, that he couldn't see. Jesus didn't teach him this or just guide him. He saved him. He washed him clean. He opened his eyes. He fed him real food. And he made him his apostle. And he showed him what being his orange traffic cone was going to cost. The Lord said to Ananias, go, for Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. That's not quite a selling feature for a job. 
you imagine seeing a job posting somewhere and at the end it says, if you get this job, you are going to suffer. And yet here's what the Lord says. Now, what you need to understand is that he's not saying this by way of punishment. It's not, I'm going to really put the screws to Saul for all the things that he did to me. That's not really the point. What he's going to reveal to Saul is what it means to be in the way of Jesus, a crucified Lord, one who hung from a cross. Things are not always going to go your way when you are in the way of Christ. Peter struggled with this too. We heard about it in our gospel reading. He wanted to have it both ways, to have his old life and the new life. And he was trying to find some way to balance them and keep them together. That's why it's so stunning when after all the events that have happened, of Jesus already appearing twice in his resurrected flesh, of Peter supposedly remembering all the things that Jesus had taught about what it meant that he would suffer and die for the world, thinking about all those things said, I'm going fishing. Why? Because that's what he knew how to do. That was his old way. It's the kind of traffic cone that he had always been, the one who got in a boat and went out and threw out his nets and got in the fish and brought the fish to port and sold the fish and made a living. Truly, truly, though, Jesus said to him, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. Again, this was not a punishment. It's not Jesus saying, Peter, you denied me three times. Well, you're going to have to get crucified too. No, that is not how God works. But it is God telling Peter that the way of fishing for fish is no longer going to be what it means to be Peter walking in the way of Jesus. And when you're walking in the way of Jesus, just like is happening to Saul, Peter, the same is going to happen to you. Other people will dress you, Jesus says, like they undressed me. Other people will stretch out your arms like they stretched out mine. Because that's what it means to be in the way. It's what it means to be the orange traffic cone of Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, orange traffic cones are not set out on the road by the MTQ to be run over and mocked and hated we do indeed do all those things, but that's not what they're there for. They're there to keep you safe. They're there to keep the workers safe. They're there to keep traffic flowing while construction is happening. They're there to guide us in the way we ought to go and stop us from going where we shouldn't be. You and I who are in the way of Christ are pointing out by our lives where we forgive the sins of others as Jesus has forgiven us, how the world is going the wrong way and in which way the world should go. We're pointing out by our lives, redeemed by Jesus, baptized into his name, 
that the way of the world, hating those who are different, loving pleasure more than loving good, believing we are always right and believing everyone else is always wrong, thinking like Paul that we can save the world without sacrificing ourselves, or thinking like Peter that we can fish for men and still fish for fish is not the way of Jesus. Jesus's way and the world's way go in completely opposite directions. The way of the world, which is ultimately the way of Satan, leads to suffering and evil and pain and disconnection and hatred for God and for each other. Christ's way sees God on the cross, a God who sacrifices everything that the world might be saved rather than condemned. Christ's way is to see in his blood the forgiveness of all sins for all people, to see in Jesus' resurrection the hope of a better world that is yet to come, that God is not finished with creation yet. The way of Jesus is to see in his life, his way, the right way for you and for me and for everyone. Now, you know Jesus's words, these ones in particular, but I read them to you again. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. Don't kick against the goads. Take the comfort of knowing that Jesus doesn't just lay out a way for you. He is the way. Don't be afraid of being in the world's way. When your traffic cone gets flattened or mocked, or everyone makes bad YouTube videos about how terrible you are, it's okay. They did that to Jesus too. There will be much that we might have to suffer for Christ's sake. But for Easter people, which is who we are, it's the only way for this life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.